Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to Ovicast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you latest insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. With breeding season on the way for many flocks, we catch up with Chief Specialist Damien Costello to discuss the whole topic of mating management. We start off with Damien outlining the final checks that should be conducted on a breeding flock and rams in particular. We delve into the ram management in a bit more detail. And he really emphasised the importance of addressing any issues that can cause infertility in a timely manner. Following on from that, we discuss the benefits of Radlin, the different options available, and the correct application procedure. We also discuss the topic of single cell mating versus group mating, rotating rounds between groups, and the auto ram ratio, and a number of practical steps that can be employed on farms to guard against an infertile ram, or at least the risk of one. Damien offers his tips on joining your rams and choice of ram for that task. And we finish up with Damien summarising his key tips for management during the mid period. However, we start off with Damien outlining those necessary steps you need to check and checks you need to have in place before joining Rams and yours. Yeah, sure. I suppose people are, are, are at the start of mating, or some people have already turned out the Rams, Karen, at this stage, um, you know, to carry out any routine treatments uh, that you, you need to carry out before Ram turnout um, so that you can ensure that there's minimal flock disturbance during the actual mating period itself. So if there's, you know, if you're doing any fluke treatment, foot bathing, all that kind of thing, particularly looking at the likes of lameness, trying to have lameness under control uh, before the start of mating. And again, it's important that you, you monitor it during the mating. Um, it's probably no harm to have a spare ram or two around the place, um, you know, in case that any there is, there's any lameness issue with the ram or any other reason that a ram may break down during the during the mating time so that you, you have a substitute to, to put in um, if, if the ram you've let out is, is unable to function. They do tend to get 11 months with no issues and then on the point of it can come up with a well, few. Well, that, that can be often the case, yeah. Just like in terms of the O's, Damien, look at the target at three and a half at maintenance being put out before. Just is there anything in this peer we need to look out for when they're yeah, around with them? Yeah, I suppose. Look, at we've we've often heard that um, we we want yo's on a rising plane of nutrition in the lead up to mating, and I think it's very important to maintain this during the breeding season. And we're at a time of the year, Karen, I suppose, where we're talking about grazing out paddocks and closing them up for the winter. But it's important that your your breeding yo's don't force them too hard in terms of grazing out paddocks, and certainly don't let them run out of grass. I suppose if you had the likes of a dry uh, yo lamb group that weren't being mated this year. Um, they could be used uh, as the group that would clean out the paddocks after the yews. Just like that's a bit of a balancing act at this stage. The old big group probably is the yews. Any tips maybe on getting that clean out a bit quicker with them, or how well, again, you, how sure. Do, how do you get the boats, yeah, boat task yeah. done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I look at and a lot of people will will maybe use um, temporary divisions with a couple of reels or something like that in order to get them in and out quick. Uh, and you're you're not putting them under, you're not forcing them to graze um, small, you know, short grass for for long periods. So you know those kind of things. But it's important, I think, to to bear in mind that you you're not yours that you're in the probably in the early days of pregnancy or in the early stages of pregnancy that you're not forcing them in terms of getting them to graze out paddocks too hard or are letting them almost run out of grass. A bit of a balance in there. Look, in terms of rams, obviously they need to be in good condition coming into tip and work, which is just for them. Again, uh, you know, we, you, people would should have been building, I suppose, ram body condition. Um, you'd be hoping that they'd be three and a half to four body condition um, at turnout. 
Uh, there's two main reasons for this, I suppose. One is they will eat very little during the mating season because they're their main interest, I suppose, is seeking out jaws to mate, and they can lose up to 20% of their body weight uh, during during the breeding season. And the second part of this is if they, if you have thin rams, they tend to have lower libido, so they're they're less inclined to seek out jaws to mate if, if rams are thin at turnout. Look, you touched on something there already, and it's, it's something you're very conscious before mating, but certainly during the mating period with rams. You know, the risk of a rise in temperature or ram going infertile, or even sometimes, you know, lameness of physical injury that'll reduce their libido or their ability to mate yos. Dealing with them things promptly, Damien, or maybe removing them if needs be, should that be something we're a bit more vigilant about? Well, absolutely. Uh, and again, I suppose in the in the lead up to mating, um, I suppose sperm production in the ram, it takes probably in the region of five to seven weeks. So what that in effect means is that um, around this mating a year around now, mid-October, um, they would have started producing that sperm probably the end of August, the start of September. So anything uh, that interferes with sperm production in the run-up to mating can have kind of disastrous effects really on the ram's ability to, to impregnate yours. So again... That's why we always talk about um, having replacement rams bought in time and, you know, that you can observe closely uh, these rams in, in the in the 68-week period uh, prior to turnout. Like, as you said there, any infection uh, that the ram picks up that, that causes an increase uh, in body temperature of as little as a half a degree uh, Celsius for 24 hours, this can render the ram uh, temporarily infertile. So it's important, as, as you say, to... Uh, not alone observe the rams in the run-up to mating, but also to keep a close eye on them during the mating season, so that um, if a ram needs to be needs to be treated or, or, or replaced, that you can do that fairly promptly. Just like in terms of monitoring, like someone that's obviously look the physical injury, something like that, the lame ram, that's easy enough to see and deal with. What I'm just thinking here, like in terms of that kind of subfertile, infertile ram, that's not always going to be easy to detect, and it's particularly high risk for those in single cell mating. We might touch on that in a moment, but. Damon, we've talked about rattle and rams and why it's important for years, but maybe just take us through it again in that context. Like, it has more benefits than just detecting subfertile or infertile rams. Absolutely. Look, at, I think rattling a rams, it's, it's an absolutely essential task um, for, for, for all sheep farmers, really. Um, and as you say, you, you can keep you can keep an eye on how mating is proceeding. And, you know, I, I would urge farmers not to skip this very important task. And even some people, um, you know, if they're running rams in groups as opposed to the single sire mating, as you say, they, they maybe feel that they're, they're, they're OK, that they don't need to rattle. But I would still say that in all cases, uh, we'd be recommending rattling. And again, just as, as you say, to, to, to recap, um, most people, this will be old hat to a lot of people, but um, you start with lighter colours. Uh, you'd use a lighter colour first so that it can be overmarked as time goes on with a darker colour if, if that arises. So example of that would be, you know, starting with the likes of yellow or, um, followed by the likes of orange, maybe green, maybe red, maybe blue, maybe black. Probably won't need all those colours. And again, I suppose changing the colour um, at least every 14 days so that you, you've changed the colour before, we'll say, a, a second cycle or a, a repeat uh, yo comes about. So if a lot of you all start repeating after the first cycle, um, you can fairly suspect that there, there may be a problem with a ram. 
so when you've rattled, uh, there is still time to do something about it. And look, at it's a lot, lot better than finding out at, at uh, scanning time that you have a lot of empty yaws on your hands. In reality, most yaws will tip within that first cycle. So it's really, it's the first and second week. If you did want to do much dividing, you're going to get most benefit. Then it's, it's, it's early versus late. But as well, David, that other benefit, like you're kind of future and you're proofing yourself a wee bit for winter nutrition if you do have a good idea when the expected laminate is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of flocks um, we talked, I mentioned there, we'll say about changing the color every 14 days. A lot of flocks will do it more frequently, particularly in the early stages of mating. So they, people might go every seven days, every week uh, with a change of color. And what this does, I suppose, it's a very good predictor of uh, the expected lambing date. So this enables the O's to be grouped together at housing time uh, by expected lambing date. Uh, so grouping the O's, uh, you'd be grouping the O's by ex expected lambing date, and you'd be also grouping them probably by scanned litter size. And this allows for far more accurate concentrate feeding uh, in the run-up to lambing. So firstly, I suppose there's potential to reduce the amount of concentrate feeding, so the, that in turn reduces costs. But probably equally important, it would also optimize the lamb birth weight. So it will reduce the incidence of having oversized lambs due to maybe um, yours being on a fairly high plane of nutrition over a longer period because you're not quite sure uh, when they're due to lamb if you, if you haven't done the, the, the rattling properly. So it, can, it has the potential to reduce uh, lambing difficulty, which in turn will reduce lamb mortality. Might give a bit of indication to what the workload is going to be like come Lamington, but well, exactly, it gives you an idea of your lambing spread. Exactly, yeah, yeah. We mentioned there, like the two predominant different types of rattle, but if we deal with the kind of the the paste or the powder we're going to mix up for steaming, you might just take us through that process. Yeah, again, it's it's still it's it's still a very popular with people that uh, they, they 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 mix they buy the rattle powder uh, and mix it with um, some sort of a maybe a vegetable oil or something like that. Uh, the aim, really, I suppose, is to make a sort of a nice thick paste ra rather than a sort of a, a runny material. So, um, you you you. You, you add small amounts of oil at a time and work it into the powder until you've got a, a fairly a fairly thick consistency of a paste. And then you, you apply this liberally, liberally to the, the area of wool that's just, just in front of the brisket of the ram. So, and it's important that you kind of work that well into the wool and you, you, you can start to knead it in well. And again, this needs to be reapplied every probably every few days, every three or four days, maybe. And especially during the first few weeks when the rams are, are quite busy. So they, you, they'll be, it'll be wearing off them fairly quick. Uh, some people, I suppose, use other, maybe rub the, 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 the rattle that you use or the crayon that you use on a rattle harness. Uh, some people actually use that and uh, just rub that onto the, the, the same area, the, the, the wool area just in, in front of the brisket. But uh, again, I'd say, that, that mightn't last as long. It might probably need to be uh, reapplied more more regularly than the actual rattle paste. Like again, the amount of it's going on, you'll see it getting a bit later. It'll, it'll be the best indication whether it needs to be topped up or not. Well, that's it. If you're if you're, you're you'll be you'll be you'll be observing your yaws each day, and if you you know if you see a yaw being mated, um, you'll have a fair idea that the the the, the rattle is, is getting is getting light, so that it needs to be needs to be uh, topped up. Yeah. So like, the other main form when you touch on it there is the harness, and some are very fond of that um, particular type. Others not so much. What's a couple of key criteria for it, Damien? 
Yeah, again, the, as as you described there, Kieran, um, it's it's just as it's as it as it, as as the name suggests, it's it's fitted onto the ram and harness, um, and there's a, a crayon block uh, that's that's attached uh, to this harness. So again, the crayon block can be replaced when you're when you're changing colours. Um, it's also important, I suppose, when you put on this this harness first that you 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 check it every day. It's not a matter of sticking it on and letting them off for the for the two weeks or whatever. Uh, you need to keep an eye on the harness that it stays in place. Uh, they tend to be a bit stretchy, and that so um, after a few days on, they can uh, they can stretch a little bit. Uh, they can also bed into the wool of the ram. We also mentioned, I suppose, that the ram over the mating season will be losing a little bit of body condition. Uh, so. The, really, what you're trying to guard against is um, you, you need to adjust it and tighten it a little bit, if necessary, in order to keep it in place. What you really want to avoid, I suppose, is that if it slips back on the ram and it can potentially be uh, impede him from actually mating yours. So that's the last thing you need is a, is a harness that's, that's stopping him from, from mating yours. So just to, I suppose, to they're, 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 they're very useful and a lot of people are, are very fond of them, uh, but just they need to be, they need to be watched, uh, particularly for the first uh, week or two they're on. I suppose maybe just for the crane, it'd be, or the harness would be very important to ensure there's no damage on the brisket as well in the ram. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, you just to check that there's no there's no sores or anything like that there as a, as a result of it as well. Yeah. Look, so something else we just mentioned briefly a moment ago was the whole thing of single sale mating, group mating. Look, oftentimes, particularly for those maybe producing their own replacements or certainly more pedigree flocks or hill flocks, we'd see a bit of single sale mating going on where they want to identify the parent of the lambs. Look, it has a lot of advantages from that point of view, but there are risks associated with it too. Minimising that risk of an infertile or subfertile ram, particularly if you're single sale mating, any couple of tips on that area, Damien? Yeah, for sure. Um, as you mentioned there, I suppose, uh, you know, particularly maybe in bigger flocks, um, so some people may let out a sort of a team of rams um, to, to a group of yours. And I suppose in some ways this can help ensure um Against uh, the, the ram, you know, there's, if, the, if there's a ram in the team that may be infertile or subfertile, uh, but I mean, look, at, there are there are risks associated with that as well. Uh, you know, sometimes if uh, people just let out two rams um, as a team uh, out to a group of yours, um, there generally will be one dominant ram who will be trying to to, to mate all the yours and maybe. Uh, blocking the, the other ram from mating. If that dominant ram happens to be uh, infertile or subfertile, you, you can have a problem. So I suppose what we'd be saying is if you're letting out a team of rams, ideally use three or more rams uh, together per group of yours, and this eliminates the effect of the blocker ram. Um, so, um, you know, so the, 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 you, the other thing I suppose you're giving yourself that bit of cover it's a simple kind of change to do exactly exactly yeah yeah and the other thing I suppose maybe with with teams of rams or groups of rams is probably best not to mix mature rams and ram lambs if possible because the mature rams again will will tend to be dominant and as you mentioned then Karen the, with single sire mating this is obviously one ram per group and it's particularly uh, important we say for smaller flocks and also uh, pedigree pedigree flocks or flocks that are doing some level of recording where they, they need to know the, the, the parentage of the of the lambs. Uh, it's all the more important in this situation, I suppose, to, to rattle your rams. 
And with one ram per group, it's a good idea where possible to to maybe to rotate the rams between groups uh, before the start of the of the of the of the next cycle. So you'd probably be rotating after fourteen days, uh, maybe the same time as you'd be changing rattle color, so that you 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 move a ram to a, a different group of, of of sheep. You rotate the rams around that way it would be one way of of guarding, I suppose, against uh, infertility or subfertility in, in in any individual ram. I suppose, practically speaking, Damien, at that stage, like the vast majority of the ewes are tipped and even collapsing in groups and the bigger groups from a point of view of grazing out or grassland management at that stage of the year, as the season progresses, um, it probably has a lot of benefits as well. Absolutely. And I mean, as, as you say, there, 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 are, there are flocks that are maybe successfully getting uh, up to 90% um, in lamb to first service. Like, so, um, you know, you're... you're for, for the repeats, um, everything going well with your rams, you're, you're not talking about as, as, as big a number of, uh, you're talking about a relatively small number of yours to be, to be measured at that stage. So, you know, as you say, you can, you can, you can join groups and maybe, uh, uh, you know, get, get around it that way as well. Yeah, look, it's just, it's a couple of simple steps. You're just basically putting a bit of insurance there that if there is an infertile one, it's minimal risk. Look, in terms of your ram ratio one, Look, we have a couple of standard figures I'm sure we'll throw out in this one, but there is some variation out there in the industry in what breeders expect the rams, what rams are capable of doing. And look, we know there's certainly a bit of difference between different breeds as well. Just maybe, Damien, take us through the guideline figures on it and we might tease out yeah, a little bit more. For sure. Again, it's it's it's, it's a common question, Kieran, And uh, I suppose a good ballpark figure, I suppose, for a, a mature ram, um, a mature ram with, up, with about... Uh, 45 euros um, would be a good a good ballpark figure, and as you say, um, th- there is evidence that uh, certain uh, breeds where where rams tend to be more active and that kind of thing, they can successfully mate up to 70 euros uh, per per one ram. Uh, but I mean, if if we're if you're looking for a figure, we'd be starting to say in a euro to ram ratio of about uh, one ram to 45 euros in terms of a mature ram. Now a ram lamb, I suppose, is a, a different story. It hasn't reached uh, full maturity, obviously yet. So in terms of a ram lamb, the figure we'd be talking about would be letting a ram lamb out with about 25 euros. And again, I suppose there are cases, uh, particularly as I say, with the more active ram breeds, where a ram lamb can successfully mate up to 40 euros. But again, the figure would be about the, the 1 to 25 as such. So it's important to consider where Ram Lamb is still growing and developing to maybe not overdoing for prolonged periods. Maybe Well, exactly. And again, as you mentioned earlier on, I suppose, uh, about grouping up, uh, about grouping up uh, groups and maybe um, reducing the, the number of, 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 of uh, Rams that are out there. Um, you could maybe pull away the, the Ram Lambs at that stage and use a mature Ram to do the, the mopping up in the, the later stages of the, the mating season. Like just the one other thing there, look, we talk about grouping up and moving around different groups and yours. That whole idea of handling them during that we mentioned that the big routine tasks, the dose and otherwise should be left off, but maybe carrying us some routine tasks like with the brought in to be rattled or maybe a quick pass through a foot bath or that. How big an issue do you mean think that is during the mating period or if they're used to it, is it a minimal enough risk? Uh, look, it is a minimal enough risk. Um, as I say, as I said at the start, you'd be trying to, you'd be trying to have the, the major task done. But um, you know, from once from once due care is taken in terms of the flocking of them, um, we certainly wouldn't be advocating uh, running them around the field a couple of times with the dog or anything like that. But from once they're 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 taken in, 
um, in in a in a in a reasonably relaxed uh, fashion, for want of a better word, I suppose, and that you 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 carry out the tasks with with sort of minimum disturbance. I I don't see it as a as a major issue, Karen. Just the, the one other group, I suppose, that will be going to the Ram, and they're probably more towards the end of the month and even into November, is you lambs. You know, just checking again where they are in terms of target weight, and maybe and we mentioned this in the earlier podcast, but the risk of maybe joining some very like you lambs. Just again, the guideline figures on that one, Damien. Yeah, again, look at um, the, the guideline we would say is that. Um, you know, your lambs at joining should be at least, and it's it's a sort of a minimum figure, I suppose, if you like, at, at least 60% of their expected mature body weight. Um, you know, and the, the you know the, the the stronger the better in some ways. So if you take if you take um, a flock of yours or if you if your expected mature weight, say for for these type of yours is 80 kilograms, for example, the your lambs at joining should be a minimum maybe of 48 to 50 kilograms and upwards at mating. So as I say, it's probably important that you're you're monitoring these. Uh, they, as you said, they'll be probably going to the ram maybe later in the month. Um, it's important that you're you're monitoring um, these lambs, and if there are uh, lambs within the group that are not making the grade, it, it's probably better to to pull them out and leave them leave them leave them run dry over the over the winter period instead. The other point, I suppose, about breeding your lambs again. It would be uh, I would be advising the using a mature ram uh, with your lambs as they will be they'll be far better at seeking uh, they'll be far better than a, a ram lamb um, at seeking out yours to mate and obviously then you're choosing a ram um, that's known for ease of lambing um, so you're you're choosing a suitable ram and a suitable ram breed as well. Maybe David, just if we can finish up with a couple of take home points for produce for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, again, as, as we said at the start, uh, try and carry out the routine tasks uh, pre-mating so that um, you can uh, minimum disturbance to the flock during during mating. But as we mentioned earlier, it's important that you continue to observe both the yews and the rams um, for lameness and, and other issues. And look, if they have to be treated, uh, that's fine. Go ahead and treat them. Um, but as, as we mentioned, um, with, with kind of due care and, and with minimum disturbance, and I think the key take-home message, Kieran, is 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 rattle your rams. I, I think it's absolutely essential. Uh, don't skip this really important task. Uh, do it properly, and I suppose stick with it um, for the entirety of the of the mating season. Really, um, change the colour at least every fourteen days so that you can pick up any ram fertility issues. And also, it's an excellent predictor of expected lambing date. And this can be a huge help to you next spring when you're uh, when you're planning your your pre-lambing feeding regime. You mean plenty to consider. Thanks very much for giving your time. No problem, Kieran. My pleasure. Okay, plenty of points to consider there from Damien and some very useful practical advice. Again, highlighting the importance then of Radlin. It's a very simple management task. It does take a little bit of time and effort now, but the benefits both immediate in terms of identifying the infertile ram, and also for later during that late pregnancy period so we can actually adequately and more accurately feed our sheep correctly. Um, it's one of the very useful tasks. That's it for me. Again, for any updates from the Sheep Programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chagger Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to all our episodes.